Well, this morning, I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter one. We're launching a new teaching series through this next phase of journey as a local church and really looking for God to give us his peace and direction and to allow us to be guided by that inward joy that helps us to function each and every day. And I'm thankful for the truth that we gain from studying God's word and applying those truths to our life. Now, this past week, um, I mentioned in my pre-service video with those who were able to tap in, I had mentioned that on Monday morning, I was really desperate, looking for some sense of direction from the Lord and didn't know where things were headed and didn't know how drastic news would change from Monday to Friday and now even through the weekend. And so God led me to the book of Philippians, and I was studying in chapter number four about rejoicing in the Lord always, and then he emphasized by saying, again, I say rejoice, but then he wrote about this peace which passes all understanding, and as Paul wrote to this church in Philippi, he reminded them to watch his example and to do what he has so faithfully done, and the blessing and peace of God would come to their life. And so I began to kind of jump back. Okay, well, let's look at Philippians chapter 1. And that's really where I gained the thought and the idea for our next teaching series entitled Joyful, a gospel-centered response to this, whatever this is in your life. For some, it is a gospel-centered response to COVID-19 or chaos or maybe doubt, fear, uncertainty, Maybe you would use the word gospel-centered response to the messiness of your life. Maybe the reality is for some of you, it is a gospel-centered response to now homeschooling. Well, yeah, we'll be praying for you with that. Or social distancing, or maybe even statewide lockdown, loss of a job, crumbling retirement funds, bank account quickly depleting being stir-crazy and the shortage of toilet paper that we still are in the middle of. But all of this, we would say, what is our gospel-centered response? By the way, do you know how difficult it is to tell a joke to a camera and not get any response and wonder if that joke even landed? So the people here, which are about six or seven people, they're not helping me any, okay? So if you're laughing at home when I tell a corny joke, uh, just give me something, and the sound booth will say thumbs up. It'll be two minutes later, and it'll really be very distracting, but at least we'll be engaged in that way. Now, here in the book of Philippians, we find that Paul has such a tender heart. And really, even in the midst of a tender heart, he's a guy with very thick skin. He's a man that has been on the trail. He is one that's been through the journey. And this is one that comes now with this letter to the church at Philippi with great words of encouragement and instruction. You think about all that Paul has experienced. He's writing this thank you note, this letter to the church, because they have been an encouragement to him. They've been there to support him in his dire need. Now think back 10 years before this letter was written, and you would see that Paul was traveling on his second missionary journey, and he comes to this town called Philippi. And there he proclaims and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we find in history that many people trusted Christ as their savior. And because of that transformation and the power of the gospel, spontaneously a church was birthed. And Paul is is leading and pastoring there in the early days, but he's just a missionary passing through. And so he moves on to his next place. 
for the next 10 years, the church at Philippi will mean so much to him. Even to where in the words of this letter, he will record such great joy and thankfulness for these people. And so now when we fast forward from that church plant and 10 years later, here we are now as Paul is writing this letter of gratitude to them. And you know where he's at? He's in prison. He's in prison waiting his coming trial to find out what is next for his very bumpy life. Paul could definitely write the manual on a gospel-centered response in the midst of this. So today, we kind of launch into Philippians chapter 1 together. I want to invite you to look at verse number 1, Philippians 1. And we're just going to read the first seven verses, and we're going to tackle some of these thoughts this morning and allow it to really launch us into what we'll be studying uh, throughout the next several weeks and maybe a month or two. So verse number 1 says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, so the elders, the pastors, the deacons, the spiritual leaders of the church. This letter that Paul is writing is actually one that was intended for just that local body. It's much different than the book of Galatians or Ephesians, which also would be prison epistles. But these letters were written to a whole region of churches. And so he would write to the region of Galatia and have this letter in circulation. Same with Ephesus, writing it to the church in that city and expecting it to go out. But here with the book of Philippians, this letter, he writes it specifically to this body of believers, which means so much to him. And he's going to address it to their leaders who will then read this thank you letter to the people of Philippi. He says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. A typical greeting in the ancient letter writing. Verse number three, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for all of you making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. Now, when we look at this text, there's actually some really key verses that help us to launch why Paul is writing about a a gospel-centered response to this. In verse number 12, he says, But I would ye would understand, brothers, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace, in the imperial guard, and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident, they're They have this great boldness now, this confidence of my bonds because of what he is facing are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So this morning, let's just talk a little bit about this gospel-centered response to this and be joyful instead of fearful. Would you pray with me? Father, we pause in this moment together asking for your spirit to work. We're separated by miles, we're separated by hard wire, we're separated by great distance. But Lord, even within that, would you allow the truths of your word to be so powerful in our hearts and our minds today? 
In Jesus' name, amen. As we come back to these thoughts here of the letter that was written, I, I love how right here at the very beginning of the letter, Paul is going to show his heart and how he would respond. In verse number three, we see his response comes out of a heart of thankfulness. Regardless of the circumstances that Paul was facing, his fellow believers in the church at Philippi were very dear to him. Uh, yeah, Paul was going through some very dark uncertainties himself. He was in prison. He was waiting a coming trial. Didn't know what was going to happen. But here Paul is thinking of others. He's got a very thankful heart that is guiding him to write even this letter of help and thanks to the people. It has been a decade since he first preached there. And he is there now just thinking about this body of believers. And he grows increasingly thankful for them year after year after year. He didn't look at his own situation or find his desperate state to be what guided his thinking and his conversation. I know the last 10 days... We have talked so much about this, and things are changing every day. I know the conversation is about what, what does Monday even look like, and the numbers are growing off the charts each and every day, and it's, it's very mind-boggling, and it is very conversation-consuming, and I think that's why we have to back up a little bit and think about the gospel response to this calls for a thankful heart. A thankful heart that finds ourselves trusting that God's in control, realizing that he has a purpose and a plan, even participating in the furtherance of what the gospel can do. And not only what the gospel can do within our own church, but what the gospel can do in our own community, in our sphere of influence, with your coworkers who are at their wits end, with your neighbors who are very desperate with people who are in your inner circle who are confused and in chaos, they're wondering what's going on, they can see your steadiness because of a thankful heart. Now, this thankful heart was one that helped him to respond properly. My question for us would be, how have we responded in the last 10 days? There's a lot to personalize. There's a lot of things that are being affected to us individually, not only our family, not only our workplace, and not only our church and our schools and everything that we're connected to, but to us personally. And so whether it's life, whether it's school, whether it's our work, it's all been so negatively impacted. And this normally what this causes us to do on a very normal basis is when we're negatively impacted, what do we do? We focus on ourselves how we didn't get to go watch March Madness on Thursday to see the two basketball games that would have been just fun and exciting, how the girls are trying to figure out what to do after spring break with online schooling, how we can't even walk into a, a Target or a Publix without there being really big procedures of wipe down and cleanup and, and making sure that you're being very careful. So there's a lot that we personalize that's being negatively impacted, but what happens is that a heart of thankfulness it leads us to pray for others. Look at the text. That's what Paul did. So Paul had this thankful heart, and it led him to pray for them on a continual basis. The church at Philippi was on his prayer list for 10 years. He's coming to the point where he writes this letter, and, it, and what normally would cause people to focus on themselves is causing him to think of other people. Just this past week, I was blessed by People constantly sending phone calls and voicemails and text messages and Facebook posts or Facebook messages 
just asking how things are. How are you doing? How's your wife? How are your kids? How's your family? Uh, how are, how's the church? How is the church body? When we met with our spiritual leaders of deacons and trustees and pastoral staff on Tuesday night, and we really just sat around the circle praying for the church, the people of the church. They took their, their uh, care group list, and they, they took those home, and they're engaging with phone calls, and they're, they're praying for these people that are on their list. Even this morning when I woke up, I had several text messages just coming through. And, and what those do is they encourage our hearts when others are thankful for us and thinking of us. And so my question today would not be for you to sit around waiting for the next text message to come, but it would be being prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, God, who is it that I need to pray for today? Who is it that I am most thankful for? It was fun this morning in family devotions to go around with the four of us and to say, who is it that you are thankful for that we can praise the Lord for today? And of course, we eliminated the four of us, okay, because everybody wants to say thankful for mom. And, and thankful for sisters, and um, I'm thankful for dad. I think that kind of came in somewhere. And family, just thankful for family. But um, it was neat to hear uh, the, the people that are, are meaningful in my family's life, people that have made an impact, people who we want to pray for because we want to intercede on their behalf. And so Paul here is is being stirred in such a way that he's going to pray for them. I think Ralph Blum put it, put it best when he said, there is a calmness to a life lived in gratitude, a quiet joy. So often we're looking for joy, happiness. We want this sense of accomplishment and we search for where it's going to come. But we're reminded that it is an inward strength that comes from the Lord. And, and that leads to verse number four, which was his next response, not only a thankful heart, but a spirit of joy. In verse number four, we'd say that he was thankful for them and that in his remembrance of them, it brought joy to his heart. Who is it in your life that just brings joy to your life? And maybe then we need to flip the question and we would say, who do you bring joy to somebody else? Not a joke that you tell that gets laughter, not a, a moment of, uh, of joyful bliss, but this is an inward strength that is guided by God in somebody's life because of the impact that you make in that life. That's Paul, and that's the Philippi believers. Paul, certainly, hero of the faith, would say, he's a huge blessing. We're so thankful for him. But what is Paul saying? He's saying that the church at Philippi, the believers at the church, they were the ones that impacted his life. They were the ones who aided him. They were the ones who brought joy to his life. And so when Paul communicates to them that he prays for them, he doesn't do it with some self-absorbed, morbid spirit. He does it with a great triumphant joy. He is posed with this. And as we read this letter, no one would ever suspect that Paul is sitting in prison waiting for trial. We would think that he was on a vacation or some oasis. We would think that he was living life to the fullest, that he was just in an amazing spot, a place in his life where everything was being fulfilled, everything was being accomplished. He was successful. He had people around him supporting him. He had good food, good drinks, and he had everything going on in his life. But the reality was, as he was sitting in prison while he was writing this with such a thankful heart and a spirit of joy. This is the kind of joy that 
is listed in the fruit of the Spirit. It's the triumphant joy that our life needs to be be poised poised with. It is the, the life that we are to live in the abundance of God's work. And so true joy is this inward strength that a Christian can have when they rely on Jesus Christ. Are you familiar with what we often quote as the joy of the Lord is your strength? You're familiar with that? Well, that comes from a text in Nehemiah chapter 8. And if you've studied the book of Nehemiah, you know that this is coming through a very bumpy time for the people of Israel. They've been cast out of their incredible city. Nehemiah knows that the hearts are broken and the wall is, is, is just torn to pieces. And so much of the book of Nehemiah is about Nehemiah coming through with his men and they rebuild the wall and do it in such an incredible way. But as you continue on, you would find that there was this great need for revival, a renewal of the hearts of God's people. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 1, the people request Ezra, the prophet of God, to stand before them and to read from the book of the law, to read God's word. And so Ezra would stand before them, and what he would do is, is uh, he, would, he would just pronounce or announce the words of God to the great gathering of people, and, and something that they had neglected all throughout the Babylonian captivity. And so this was a sense of renewal and refreshment for them. And by the way, this week, where are you running to for that renewal? Remember, in a moment like this, when we're not gathering as usual, things are so up and down. More than ever, we have to remember spiritual decline is inevitable unless spiritual renewal is intentional. So where are you running? What scripture truth are you pondering? What are you meditating on? What are you chewing on? What song are you singing? What lyrics are you quoting? What conversations are you having? What prayer are you offering? What thanksgiving is out of you flowing? Because this is a moment more than any other where we have to find our hope and joy in him. And so the people of, of Israel, they cried out and said, Ezra, stand before us and read the words of God. And as he did, verse number eight of chapter number, uh, excuse me, verse number three of Nehemiah eight says, they were attentive unto the book of the law. So they weren't just bystanders hearing it. They were fully engaged and attentive to it. You know what happens when you're fully engaged with something? It causes you to act on it. Husbands, you know what it's like to be in conversations with your wife and you're not fully attentive and you're not fully engaged. And what ends up happening is it doesn't stir you to action or at least it doesn't stir you to proper action. And here, this word attentive is one that when we're fully engaged with what somebody is saying, with what somebody is expressing, with what somebody is communicating, it causes us to react with the proper action. So that's what happened with the people of Israel. They heard the, the word of God from Ezra. They were attentive to the book of the law, verse 3. And then the key statement in that whole section is the response of the leaders to the hearers of the word of God. And it says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that joy is one that's going to come. And it will come when we stay attentive to God's word and we look to put our actions in its proper place. Does this kind of joy flow from your heart? Is this the kind of joy that is just triumphant in your spirit? Do you experience the gladness that rises above the unfavorable circumstances? Yeah, think of what an unfavorable circumstance is for right now. And, and for the dozen people that are gathered right here, they have unfavorable circumstances in their life. 
What is the unfavorable circumstance in your life? Would you just say it? Say what it is. Yeah, you know what it is. That is your gospel response to whatever this unfavorable response is or unfavorable circumstance in your life. So what will you do with that? My recommendation to us or my plea with us is that maybe some today may need to refocus on the Lord and experience the excitement that only he gives. Nobody's excited about what's going on, but the internal joy that comes gives us a greater joy that is undescribable. Remember what they wrote in Philippians 4, passes all understanding. Is somebody around you asking, why are you so joyful in the midst of this? Why are you so thankful in the midst of all of this? When others think about you, are you that source of joy? Well, that leads us to verse number five in our last thought. And that was a response because he had a focus of the gospel. So Paul is writing this letter and he comes to verse number five. Look at it with me. And in verse five, he says, for your fellowship. I'm I'm thankful. And when I think of you, I'm joyful for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That first day would have been 10 years ago when he preached the gospel, they were saved and the church birthed. And so his thought moves on to express the reason for his thankfulness to God. And he says, because of your fellowship. And that that word fellowship is the word for partnership. If you're a part of Parkway, you know that we use words like connection. It's part of our core values. Partnership, fellowship, this participation together. And Paul is reminding them that, hey guys, in Philippi, you have been a participant. You have been a part of. You have been a a connection point for the gospel furthering in our ministry for the last 10 years. And so when he uses this word of a partnership and this expression here, he's encouraging them and encouraging one another. And we, we don't we don't really like it when, um, when, um, when some people are looking just for this fellowship as a very surface level. Remember in the book of Galatians, there was this extension of right hand of fellowship that was given by Peter, James, and John, and, uh, and they were expressing this right hand of fellowship to Paul and to Timothy. And because there was so much of the Judaizers really squelching what Paul was communicating with the gospel, Peter, James, and John had to be this spiritual authority in Jerusalem to say, hey, he is a partner with the gospel, and we welcome him with open arms and we take him in. And so when I think about us together through this circumstance, I feel like a gospel-centered response to this calls for a stronger partnership. It's calling one another to check on each other. It's delivering groceries to those who maybe have some need. It's lifting each other up in prayer. It's sending a message out of the blue. It's looking to see how do we serve each other, but it's also looking to keep each other accountable. Hi, what are you learning in your devotions this week? What passage of scripture means a lot to you? How can I engage with you in spiritual conversation? Use technology in these days to continue that partnership in the gospel. Verse number six and seven He kind of concludes this section by telling us to trust in God's sovereignty and to look at his sovereign work and what God was doing. We understand and realize that God never pushes us away. With open arms, he's guiding and leading us. And through a journey like this, he's walking alongside of us. He's just looking for us to express 
our spirit and attitude of trust. But then also we can experience God's grace in verse number seven. And so tell your story. And you have a story to tell of how you've experienced God's grace and forgiveness in your life. And so use this time to tell your story. No one has the upper hand on God's grace. Nobody has the inside scoop to God's grace. If you've experienced God's grace, you and I together, we can proclaim that and share that to others. You know, sometimes in the middle of unknown territory of, or the moments of severe chaos in our life, we really do wonder what God is doing. I would be a liar to say to you that I have not asked that question a time or two. And the truth is, is that it's not a wrong thing to ask why sometimes. We just have to be willing and open with a submitting heart to receive the answer that God gives us. So sometimes in the middle of this, whatever this is for you, God's just looking for a gospel-centered response, a thankful heart, a spirit of joy, a gospel focus, a partnership with those that will help us to make an impact with the name of Jesus Christ. We want to make progress in our spiritual journey. We're desperate to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And so in order to do that, we must remain calm, patient, and waiting. And we must be reminded to, to step back sometimes and just allow God to do his work. And so together today, may we pray for the right perspective. The right perspective and have a gospel-centered response to all of this. Let's pray. And then I've got a few things of reflection and application to close with. God, thank you for Paul and his right perspective Thank you for the guidance that he gives to his friends at the church at Philippi. I'm thankful for the words of encouragement that he has. And there's so much in this letter, so many uh, really incredible themes. Christian living, humility, the joy that we're speaking about. And so I'm thankful for those thoughts. And today, Lord, as we've looked at this text, now we would just help ask for your guidance of application. With with the moment of where you are right now, I, you know, I don't know what's going on with your setting, but I, I want to ask you to just calm your spirit for a moment and reflect with me on a couple of things. We're going to post these in the comments section so that you can reference them um, on your own. Maybe later today, we're in a time of Bible study, maybe going back over some of these thoughts from Philippians 1. Is there a calmness in your life right now? Since gratitude for others leads our focus away from ourselves, who will you pray for today? And who will you pray for with a spirit of thankfulness? Will you consider contacting them in order to encourage them this week? Secondly, by way of application and reflection, does genuine godly joy flow from your heart? Do you experience the gladness that rises above unfavorable circumstances? Will you pray to confess a distracted heart that is consumed by your own chaos and circumstances? And then three, your partnership in the gospel causes your heart to trust in the sovereign work of God.
What why questions are you asking God today? What questions that you're saying why to are you asking God and are you ready for the answer? Have you submitted your heart to God? Have you opened your mind to be stretched and your faith to be increased? Are you willing to trust him with his answer? Take these thoughts of reflection. Use them to take steps of growth in your spiritual life. And thank you for joining us during this Bible study and this message today. As we close, a couple of thoughts of reminder to you. We'll continue to keep you updated on how things are looking here on property, it's gathering of a church, and we know right now everything is suspended until further notice. We are looking on this Wednesday night during our 7 o'clock normal time of being able to provide a devotional and a Bible study. So we'll be looking to post that online. Also this week, we're doing some new things with our online presence. We've got a new camera that is on the way. We've got some new software and some things that will look and sound probably pretty different next week. And so pray for us as we work through those elements this week. We hope that this has been um, a quality enough that hasn't distracted from what we've done with worship and study of God's word today. Also, some things that we want to do with the kiddos and the teenagers is our children's pastor, Michael Battle, our youth pastor, Scott Smith. They've been working hard at providing some tools and elements to stay engaged with your student. And so they'll be working on those this week. We'll be looking to post some of those as well in the days ahead. If you need anything, you let us know. We're here, and, uh, and we, we love being a part of who you are. One last thought is that many of you have been asking about how to give to the church and to give unto the Lord. And so we're providing a few different ways for us to continue that even in these uncertain moments. Uh, certainly one is by way of going online and you can give your offering of tithes to our missions, to general, to the building fund, and you can do all of that online. Now, if you're not just comfortable with that or that seems like a, a new step for you, we totally get it. And so Michael and the finance office just Friday put together a letter with some self-addressed envelopes that are stamped already and sent two of those to you this week. So you should get them maybe Monday, Tuesday, and uh, you can use those to mail in your offering as you would see fit. The third uh, other option is that you can drop by the church office. Now this week, it's going to look a little different. We're not exactly sure how the church office is going to function or even the school office because of what maybe will come from Tallahassee in the days ahead. But one of the things that we are offering is the way for you to be able to drop that offering off or to call somebody to come pick that up. Our deacons and trustees have volunteered. We've had several church members who have said they could help us with this. And so we want to make it as easy as possible. This, again, is an element of worship to the Lord. And it's a way that we together continue to further the mission of Parkway because we want to remain stay, as a stable partner with our worldwide missions partners. We want to continue to retire the debt service here at Parkway. And then we want to continue the furtherance of the gospel ministry here in Lakeland. And so we thank you for your faithfulness in giving, and uh, thank you for your contribution to the Lord. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. And uh, usually we say see you tonight, but we won't. Enjoy time with your family and friends. God bless you. Love you.